Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. I'm Garth Haslam. In this interview, I'm talking to Damian Davis. He's, uh, he's a man that I met just the day before this interview. I found him in a father's rights group on Facebook. He lives in Detroit. I live in the West. He's young. I'm old. Despite our differences, we, we share much in common. As dads, we struggle and have struggled. But Damien has figured out some secret sauce that in my billion years on the planet, I never had, and that many of us live and die and never figure out. Uh, he's got that secret sauce. So, here we go. So, you're a member of the uh, of the dad's group. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. Well, when I first had my son, um, me and my son's mother, well, still, but me and my son's mother were going through a lot of issues, and I didn't really know how to exactly go about handling them. Like, I didn't really know how to step, so I kind of reached out to different avenues just to try to get some tips and some advice. And I ended up coming across the dad's rights page on Facebook. You know what I mean? Just to, just to see the different situations and scenarios and how other people handled those, handled those, you know what I'm saying? Scenarios. Because I didn't really know what to do. You know, it's, it's when you, when you have a kid, I didn't realize it, but when you have a kid, you know, and as a dad, you know, as a man, you know, we don't really, they say it's equal rights, but it's not, you know what I mean? Like they say that we have equal rights, but we don't, you know, we're not heard as, as much as a woman would be heard. Right. You know? Yeah. I, um, I saw where you have as your uh, Facebook main primary picture, a uh, mm-hmm. picture of your kid sleeping. Mm-hmm. And how old is he? He'll be two in January. Two in January. He's mm-hmm. um, he's got a place in your heart. Yeah. What does he mean to you? Everything. Everything. Like everything. You know, I didn't. I didn't know real. I didn't know that I could feel the way I felt about anything, let alone. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know what unconditional love felt like until I seen my son for the first time. You know, nice. tell me he about changed, that. He changed, he changed, he changed my whole life. Like he changed the way that I do everything. He, he made me really open my eyes and really think about things more and think about the future more. You know, he really like, he just changed me. He changed me all in all together. And I will, I can say that he definitely made me a better person. He definitely made me a better person. Unconditional love from day one. What what were you feeling when you saw him uh, that that first day? Maybe the first moment. What what did that paint that scenario for me? Well, it's actually it's actually it's actually a funny story because um, me and my son's mom, um, we we like, oh man, it's it's just a, it's the whole situation like is is crazy. But the day my son was born. Um, a day prior, me and my son's mom got into like a really big, you know, we got into a fight and, um, 
like I was sleeping on the couch, like we weren't really talking to each other. And I remember she came into the living room and said, you know, I'm, I'm not really feeling well. I think we might need to go to the hospital. So I I remember asking her, like, you know, do we need to take the bags or, and she was like, well, let's just take them, you know, just in case we never know. So um, we ended up going to the hospital and originally they said that they were going to keep us overnight just to monitor us because um, his heart, my son's heart rate was dropping. So that was the first mindset, like, okay, we're going to be, because his due date wasn't until, well, not his due date. She had a scheduled C-section date for like two weeks after that. Right. You know, so when we got to the hospital, they was like, well, you know, we're going to keep you overnight just so we can monitor, you know, monitor her and monitor the heart rate, you know, our baby's heart rate and everything. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. So then his heart rate dropped again and they came back in there and they was like, okay, we're going to get the doctor on the line to see like her doctor, you know, to see what's really going on. So when her doctor came in, they said, well, stay here overnight. We're going to do the C-section at eight o'clock in the morning. So I was like, oh man, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh man, I'm having my son in the morning, you know, 10 minutes later, 10 minutes go by my son's heart rate dropped again. The nurses came back in and said, you know what? Never mind. Scratch that. We're getting ready to do the C-section in 15 minutes. So I literally had 15. I mean, you know, I had nine months to prepare, but I really had 15 minutes to like mentally prepare for I'm getting ready to have my son, you know? So um, they took her out, they prepped her for the C-section. And I remember calling my mom and I was, I just telling my mom, like, you know, it's happening. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's getting ready to go down. And I had, I had a, a baby like pretty much in COVID, you know, during COVID. So, right. That was a big thing too. Like they couldn't, it was it couldn't be a lot of people at the hospital. It could only be like one person, you know what I'm saying, at a time. Mm-hmm. So I called my mom and I told my mom, you know, this is happening. Like, you know, what's going down? <laughs> we, we about to have a baby. And 10 minutes after that, they came in and they said, Dad, you ready? And I remember the first thing I said was, not really, but what, what we gonna do? You know, what we gonna <laughs> do? So Can't we show went it back in. in. Yeah, we, we went we went in and when I first walked into the operating room, um, the first thing I seen when I walked into the operating room was her stomach like wide open. Oh. You know, for that da- for dads that that has that was there and actually witnessed the C section, like they'll know exactly what I mean when I say, you know, wide open. So I walked in, I seen that, and I they sat me in a stool that was like right next to her, and it was a um a blue tarp in between like her her like sh- um like head up and mm-hmm. then you know shoulder down it was like a blue tarp in between while they were you know operating on it and i remember talking to her and i apologized to her for the you know for the argument that we got into that was just like the first thing that came to my mind like i'm sorry you know what i mean like it right. don't matter who was right who was wrong i'm sorry so that was that and then i say like i maybe talked to her for maybe two or three more minutes and then i heard I heard my son like that first cry, you know, he let out that first cry. I instantly started crying. Like as soon as I, you know, peeked my head across the tarp to look at him, I instantly started crying. It was just like a a feeling of, for one, it was a feeling of relief because it's like, I waited nine months for this. You know what I mean? Like literally every day, nine months for this one moment right here. So it was like a sense of just relief in general. Like, oh my God, it finally happened. You know, 
Right. And then it was it was just the happiest feeling. It was the happiest feeling I've ever felt. To the point where I, I couldn't like control my emotions. You know, I started crying. The nurses, the doctors, everybody was asking me, like, are you okay? Are you gonna be okay? Do you need to? I said, No, I'm fine. Just, you know, let me let it out and then I'll be able to, you know. Let me let it out. That's uh yeah. that's not words that men use very often. No, especially not when you're talking about crying. <laughs> True that. Yeah. So years go by. Uh he's he's two now, you said. He'll be yeah, he'll be two in January. And uh is there a custody battle? Is there a divorce going on? Um well, we were never married. It's it's okay, I I'll I'll give it to you from the beginning. So COVID came. Co they started talking about COVID February, like January, February 2020. Mm -hmm. So I met <clears throat> I, I knew my son's mother prior, but we never like, you know, we never we were just friends, like you know what I mean? Like Instagram right. friends, like social media friends. Right. So um, I seen her. I stopped in uh, Applebee's to get a, a carry out from Applebee's. And I, I, and I seen her in there. And, you know, we had this moment of, hey, isn't your name? You know, it was one of those. Right. And it was like, yeah, you know, and that's how we seen each other. And, you know, kind of kicked it off, you know, from that. So that was in like February. Let's just say that was in February. Right. Um, they shut everything down and did the, you know, the shutdown. Yeah, we, 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 needless to say, we spent a lot of time together to the point where she ended up pregnant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what, well, is, is there a custody battle going on? Is that, yeah. Kai? Yeah. Uh, tell me what that looks and most importantly feels like. Oh, it's the worst thing ever. I have a my my son's mother is um bipolar, like bipolar um like diagnosed bipolar, uh -huh. and uh, she's also a narcissist. Clearly a narcissist. You know, usually those run hand in hand with each other. Uh huh. And, um, like I say, I've been working in I've been working in psych. You know, mental health for ten years. I've seen psych patients come in and out of the hospital with the same traits that she has. Let's uh, let's go there for a minute, and then we'll come back to this. Um, I want to. I know that we're kind of in this already, but let's uh, let's go back to um, the beginning, and uh, w w you know, tell me tell me what you do for a living and uh, what it means to you. Um, well, like I say, I'm a mental health care worker. Uh huh. So, I, like I say, I work with the mentally ill. Um, I just make sure I just as far as the job, as far as my career, I really just make sure that um, mentally ill clients, you know, take them prescribed medications, make sure they, they stay clean. You know, they attend groups and things like that. And um, in the beginning, in the beginning, I used to like it because I'm 28. I've been doing this since I was 18. Uh -huh. So in like in the beginning, it was cool. Like, you know, it was something new. I was the young, I was the youngest RCA at the job. So a lot of, a lot of the clients, you know, especially the younger clients were like more gravitate to me because they felt like, you know, I was relatable to them in right. a way, you know right. what I mean? So 
it was in the beginning it was fun it was it was a good time man but after a while it's like you know too much too much of anything can become a problem so is it know? one of those things where you're out on the streets finding your clients and uh and taking no, care no, of them I, do they come to you or what i work in a facility okay yeah i work in a ho actual hospital got it they come to you yeah and yeah. uh that's why you were mentioning the, uh that when you've got clients coming to you and you recognize um, psychological traits, now mm -hmm. you recognize them in uh, baby mama. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think you didn't see that uh, earlier uh, when when you were getting to know her? Well, when dealing with a narcissist, you you never see it until you see it. When dealing with a narcissist, um, it's like um, they know how to transform into whoever, you know, you will want them to be for that moment or to get something that they want, you know. Okay. So in the beginning, it was like um, we're just having a good time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're having a good time. We're where it wasn't it was it wasn't a lot of dating. Mm -hmm. It was more time spent with each other. Right. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't date technically because everything was closed you mm. know what i mean it was a lock it was a shutdown everything was closed so it was a lot of like carry out movie nights but carry out of movie nights every day you know what i mean yeah and uh, i have to say this same thing happened to me uh my my first wife knew what i was looking for she made sure she looked like that and then i got an education after i married her oh yeah um so what did that do to you here you got this uh son now and uh i'll let you use your words but you probably love him as much as you love yourself yeah. uh, what what does that feel like for you um the love for my son yeah it feels like now i have a purpose you know like i actually have a purpose like i have something to not saying like i didn't have anything to live for prior but like now I have a solid knowing of like, I have, I gotta be this way for him. You know what I mean? Like if I'm not this way for him, then I'm not fulfilling my duties as a father. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we all want a purpose, man. I, I, I've spent most of my life looking for my purpose. And I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that most of us, 80, 90% of us have, have no idea what our purpose is. Right. That's true. And if you got a purpose, man, you're ahead of the rest of us. Yeah. So he's your purpose. That's what and, I think. And I think, uh, I think I believe you. And so now you've got a purpose and all of a sudden you've got, uh, her trying to say, um, you're not going to see him. What, what does mm -hmm. that look like? What's, how does that, what's she trying to tell you and how does it feel? Okay. So when dealing with somebody with a mental illness, uh -huh. you know, it's like they can make up a story in their head and actually believe it. Mm. You know what I mean? So I do. Yeah. So I had to I had to kind of make my situation better. Like I had to make my situation, create my situation myself as far as like, um, how I get my son like now she'll say she'll say stuff like, oh, 
she really, to be honest, she just did it last week. You know, we had an issue last week. She picked him up because we're on the schedule to where I pick my son up on Monday from daycare and then I drop him back off to daycare the following Monday. So we split day, we split weeks, like, you know, we split 50, weeks. 50, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that came from um, her going to jail, actually. Like, she went to jail for something that she did, and um, to me, of course. And um, while she was in jail, I, I kept our son the entire time. So when she got out of jail, I, you know, my mindset was, well, that was like my first real test of being like full time, full time, you know? So, because prior to that, it was either like, excuse, excuse me, we were together until our son was two months and then I left, you know, because it was too much, it was too much around him. And I didn't want him to grow up seeing that because that would create a cycle, you know? Right. So when I left, I told her that I will get him on all of my off days. You know what I mean? Like every day that I'm off or every day prior to me being off, I will pick him up when I got off work, you know, because I'm off the next day and I won't have to wake up early and figure out who going, you know, who's going to watch him while I'm at work. So I created, you know, that was the schedule at first, but when she ended up going to jail and I kept him for that time while she was in jail, it showed me that, okay, this is, you know, I can be a full-time father, you know, and she used to complain about, you know, she used to complain that I didn't get him enough, but I was getting him for six days. She was getting him for seven days. She was complaining that you weren't getting your son enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after that, I said, okay, I'm going to completely eliminate. I'm going to eliminate that factor. You know what I mean? I'm going to eliminate you. You're, I'm going to make it to where there is going to be impossible for you to say, I don't get my son enough because he's never been a problem with him coming with me. You know what I mean? Like I actually right. want him full time, but you know, we'll get to that. But, um, I, I, I eliminated the, 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 I tried to eliminate the, you know, that she, so she couldn't say that at all. So I told her, well, this is what we'll do. I'll pick him up on Monday. I'll drop him off on Monday when I need somebody to watch him for me to like go to work or, you know, do something. I won't call you for that. You know what I mean? Like I'll find my own childcare. You find your own childcare. That way we don't even have to too much communicate, yeah. you know, cause it, it, it got, it, it, it had gotten so toxic that it was hard for us to even communicate with each other, like have regular conversations with each other, you know? Yeah. So I Been tried there. to make it to where it's like we can have minimal as as minimal conversation as possible. Yeah, that's uh, that that's how I did it too. You know, my uh, my best days right after the divorce were the days when I forgot that she existed. So I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. um, what was? Uh, let me ask. I guess a couple of questions. What's uh, what was the hardest moment of your life, and is that hardest moment also related to? your son or your ex-wife the hardest moment of my life was ha was having to come to the realization that me and my son's mom were not going to be together and i wasn't going to be able to be like a full-time in-house father like in-house family with my son and his mom what did that do to your head and your gut oh depression Instant depression. 
instant depression, instant, instant. I don't want to talk to nobody. You know, I don't, I barely want to go to work, you know, but I have to go to work because I have to make the money to take care of them. You know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to stay in my room and just let my thoughts just float around all day, basically. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think I do. So, um, I'm sure it kind of ebbed over time, but how long was it that you really wanted to just be in your room in the dark alone with nobody? I say maybe about two months. Two months. Yeah, it was, I'll say about maybe two months because I left, I left her in March. I'll say by maybe June. So maybe three months. Yeah. Yeah, because my birthday's in June, so maybe maybe by by June, by the summertime, it was like okay, because you got to think, man. Like in summertime, everybody wants to go have fun. It's you know, everybody wants to go have fun, right? You know, she wanted to go have fun, so when she wanted to have fun, it was come get your baby. You know, so when it, when it started with that, that made it. I didn't really care why she wanted me to come get him. You know, as long as it just wasn't it it wasn't a problem for me to come get them, I you know, no issue. Right. Yeah, that uh, that was the hardest moment in your life. Who you said you wanted to be in your room, talk to nobody. Who did you turn to? Nobody. Welcome to being every other man in the universe, dude. Yeah. We go to <laughs> nobody nobody you know we handle our problems you know we 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 sit and we sit and we sit and we sit until we're tired of sitting and then we stand up that's pretty much how it goes you know yeah how did uh how did that work out for you going to nobody um well eventually eventually you know the initial the initial I didn't want to talk to nobody. Right. And then when I felt up to having a conversation with somebody, I went and got therapy. You, you know? when, when you wanted to have a conversation with somebody, say that again. I went and got therapy. Okay. Uh, I think you would probably know a therapist or two considering you're in that business. Yeah, but I went and got professional therapy though. Regular therapist. That's good to know. How did that work out for you? Um, it was, it was okay. Uh huh. You know, it was okay. It was okay to have some, somebody to tell my problems to. And, and they say, well, how are you going to, you know, how, how do you think you're going to get out of this hole that you're in? You know, that was pretty much what therapy was for me. That was my experience of therapy. Right. You know what I mean? My experience of therapy was me lay all my all, all my issues out on the table and then somebody asked me, how do I think I'm going to handle those issues? Yeah. So for so. me, I had two guys that were well, well, best friends. And uh, when it came time for me to do the divorce and now all of a sudden I've, I've gone from being in a house with a bunch of kids and it's always noisy to an apartment where it's not noisy at all. It's dead, stony, killer silence. Oh. And that killed me. Really? Uh, 
So I went to the two friends that I had, and these were friends that I would uh, maybe go play racquetball with or maybe go, I'm a nerd. uh, One of them I'd go play chess with. And and these are not guys who you go to and you say, hey, man, I'm having marriage issues or I'm having relationship issues or I'm dying here. I am melting because my life just completely changed and I can't handle it. Tried with one of them and he didn't know how to help me. So I ended up leaving fairly quick and yeah, didn't work out so well. But uh, the reason why I'm uh, saying all that is that's how I did it. Uh, Why, what friends did you even consider talking to and did you, or how did it go? Oh, I I talked to my friends about it, but it was, it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't go to them for like advice. Uh You know what I mean? I just, I went to them for more of a update on this is what I got going on. Uh huh. You know what I mean? I didn't really go. I didn't really look too much to them for like advice on, you know, what you what do you think I should do? Because how my situation, how my situation, like mo- most of my friends, they have they have kids, you know, they have kids. So it's it's late on the on the child aspect. But my situation in general was so much different that I knew nobody would know how to you know, nobody would know how to handle this thing. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's one of those things that you just, you really just have to go through. You can talk until you're green and they're still not going to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they, and until they, until they run into somebody that's like that, they're not going to know, you know, they're not going to know exactly what I mean when I tell them what's going on. Right. Yeah. So, we, uh, I, I think we're real guilty of uh, putting ourselves in a uh, in a cave where we don't allow anybody to help us, and at the same time, other guys are uncomfortable trying to help us if we go to them because none of us are used to helping somebody in that kind of a hole. How did you deal with that? How'd you get out of the hole? Where are you at now? Um. I had to come to the realization that um, every every action doesn't deserve a reaction. Mm-hmm. So now um, I ignore a lot now. Like a, a lot of the stuff is is like I I had to really I had to really catch on to her game, you know, in a way. Like I had to really catch on to it. So what ha- what ended up happening is. Um, I start realizing that if I was to not say nothing at all, right. like not respond at all, like I know what type of father I am. You know, I know what type of person I am in general. You know, you can't, nobody can tell you who you are. You know, the facts are, and especially if, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to do as a father, nobody can tell you that you're not because the facts will show. You know okay. what I mean? So I I think I do, and I want to see if I do. Uh, so let's say that she comes at you and says, you're a bad father, uh-huh. you have uh, X, Y, and Z, you, you know, you're, you wear ugly hats, uh, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, 
And so you're able to just look at her and go, no, I don't think I'm going to engage on that one. Is that, is that how it goes? Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it goes. I look at it like, cause she don't, we don't have like, you know, if it's a phone call, as soon as the volume gets too loud, I hang up. If it's a text message, as soon as um, the subject gets, as soon as it turns disrespectful, I block the number. Nice. Yeah, like I had to like really learn how to, in the beginning, it was harder in the beginning because there were more emotions that were connected to the situation. You know, like we just broke up, just left her, just moved my stuff out the house, still have some stuff, you know, at the time still had some stuff in the house. So it's like I was still kind of emotionally tied to her in a way. Once I emotionally disconnected myself from the whole situation, I, and I, like I say, I learned that every action doesn't deserve a reaction. Mentally, it got easier. Mentally, it got way easier. I think you've helped a lot of guys with that whole, uh, with that sentence, you know, not every reaction deserves a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I, that's not a skill set I have. If somebody's in my face screaming, uh, my emotions are going to rise. And uh-huh. you're ahead of me in that in that game. Yours are not necessarily going to rise. It sounds like Mm-mm. because as soon as soon as well, if you're put in that kind of situation where somebody is in your face screaming or you know something like that, if you raise your voice, you instantly lost because you're allowing somebody to have control over your emotions. You know what I mean? At us as men, we have to have, we have to be stronger mentally. You know, we have to be mentally stronger than to allow somebody to control how we behave. You know what I mean? Like as soon as you step out of line and as soon as you, you know, you cross that barrier, it's like, got him. You know what I mean? I look, I got you mad now. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's something that I had to really, really learn though. It took a while. It wasn't like, I didn't just wake up one day and was like, oh, yeah, this is how I'm going to start treating all my situations. You know what I'm saying? It took a lot of a lot of a lot of those those quiet nights. You know what I mean? A lot of those those chilling, quiet nights. And I think, you know, uh, us men and me especially are good at taking stuff. And uh, rather than fight, we stuff it down like a trash compactor. And then at some point it comes out when you don't want it to come out you know you're basically vomiting all that stuff that you've compacted and you vomited at the wrong time and then they start throwing words at you uh like you have anger problems and you know maybe if you start throwing fists and bust some sheetrock now you've you know now you've you've really lost you know you've uh you might have lost your kids yeah Uh, and so i think what you just described is a gold mine of answer is you don't have to engage. Mm-hmm. No, nope. yeah. sometimes it's better. You got to know when to fold. You got to know when to fold. And folding isn't, I want to say folding isn't losing. Mm-hmm. It's walking away. It's, it's uh, choosing for yourself, your own actions. Yeah. That's awesome. It's the bet. You know, it's, it's just, it's just a better decision. You know, because if you if you engage in it and you, you know, my granddad used to always tell me, he used to always say stupid people play stupid games. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? That was the old, that's something, that's the old saying they used to always tell me, stupid people play stupid games. Like, you know, you can't play stupid games if you're not a stupid person. You got to uh-huh. leave those games for the stupid people, you know? Yeah. 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 The, uh, the phrase that I grew up hearing once in a while was, uh, don't mud wrestle with a pig. You, uh, you get all muddy and the pig enjoys it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good, that's, that's a good analogy too. That's another good way to think of it. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's awesome. Why did, uh, what were your motivations for coming onto the podcast? What, what were you hoping to accomplish? If somebody was going through something similar, like what I, like what I went through, you know, I would want them to, um, maybe, maybe just look at it from a different way, you know, be, and, and like I said, like I said earlier, you know, um, every action doesn't deserve a reaction. And I didn't, I didn't learn that until, you know, afterwards, I didn't learn that until later down the line. I didn't learn that until, you know, a lot of things were done and a lot of arguments were had. And you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't learn that until later down the line. So maybe somebody that's going through the same thing that I, or not, maybe not the same, maybe similar might be able to hear that and, you know, know how to handle their, you know, try a different way to handle their situation. You know, it might make their situation better as well. Cause somebody might be able to relate. You never know. Somebody might have, there's a lot of narcissistic baby mothers in the world, you know, that use kids that use children as pawns because, you know, they didn't, it didn't work out with the father. So now, you know, a woman can't physically beat a man. I mean, you know, it's just not going to happen. So they use things to get to them. They use words. They use children. They use property. You know what I mean? They use these different things to get to men. So maybe if somebody was to hear like my, you know, my story or my situation or how I handled it, maybe they'll be able to handle their situation and just come to a dip, like get a, get an understanding of exactly what they're dealing with, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, if and I think you've probably already answered this question, but uh, how old are you right now? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. So the twenty-eight-year-old you talks to the twenty-six-year-old you. Uh-huh. What advice are you gonna give him? Wear a condom. <laughs> <laughs> True that, man. But <laughs> that's that's number one. But um, you know what? Just go. Do you know? Just um, whatever happens in your life, you know, you take it. You know, whatever happens in your life, you handle, you take it, you handle it, and you don't, you know. The world, the 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 sun is gonna go up and down every day, whether or not you had a good day or not. You know what I mean. So as long as you keep that in mind, it's like, just don't let things get to you. You know, don't let things get to you. I don't, I don't too much regret having having a son with my son's mom, I don't really regret it. Cause I feel like it made me a better person. Uh-huh. Like so if I would have if I would have had a a a a kid with somebody else, not to say I wouldn't become a better person than how I was prior, but my situation 
having a child with the person that I had a child with and dealing with everything that I dealt with made me a better person. So I wouldn't take it back, but I would more prepare myself for what was to come. So I could at least be a little bit more prepared for, you know, yeah. the situation. And I'm uh, working in my mind still because you're the first one of the guys that I've interviewed that brought this up. You know, usually men will accept stuff and stuff it down trash compactor style. Like I mentioned, uh -huh. you do it differently. You actually don't accept it. It doesn't go in. You're, uh, you're just saying no, you know, shield, yeah. it bounces off. It drops on the floor. It, you don't have to compact it because it's not in there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's awesome. Um, so hardest thing you've ever done in your life was realize that uh, you and he and she were not going to make it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's your hardest moment in your life. That I could think of. Like when I realized that I wasn't going to have a family like I, how I envisioned it. And I had to like force myself to just come to the conclusion that it was over. It's not going to work. It doesn't matter what I do. I could be the best guy in the world. I could be the best husband, the best boyfriend, the best father. It didn't matter what I was going to be. It was not going to work out with her. Like right. actually have, having to convince myself that that was the reality of the situation. Yeah, that was that was pretty much the hardest thing I ever had to do. Yeah, that was sorry. the hardest time of my life. I'm guessing you probably had a, you know, a bit of a mental meltdown when you go, oh man, all this life that I had imagined in my head that I had built, that I thought I was building, it's all mm -hmm. not happening. It's not going to happen. It's broken. Mm -hmm. and I had a mental, I had a mental meltdown with my son. Like he was here. He was like sitting, like sitting up in his boppy pillow. And I was just like looking at him. And then that's when I, that's when all the thoughts came and everything. And it was just like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is really crazy. Yeah. Then you said you were a zombie for, uh, for three months. So here's yeah. my question that that's your lowest point, And that is a very low point. I get that been there. Um, why was that a blessing for you? Cause I didn't want to be like that for forever, forever. I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel like that forever. So it, it, it made me create a different me almost because uh -huh. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to continue that to be down all the time. I didn't want to continue to be just like, a like you say, like a zombie and just, you know, I didn't want to be like that because I'm, you know, prior, prior to the whole, you know, prior to me and my son's mom and having a kid and everything, I was, I was a, I still am, but I was a very fun person. I was a, a person that you would enjoy being around. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to be the guy where it's like, oh, well, here, here comes Damien. You know, he's going to, you know what I mean? He's going to mess the vibe up or he's going to come with his his issues. Or, you know, I, I just didn't want to be that guy. You know right. what I mean? So it's it's I had to figure something out. Like, yeah. I had to figure something out. You didn't want, here comes Damien, there goes the party. Yeah. I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I just, I didn't want to do that. So you changed your life. What, uh, what was one thing that you decided you were going to change? So that, um, you know, as a result of that, what, what does the new Damien look like that the old Damien didn't look like? I don't argue. 
Mm-hmm. I don't argue. I don't argue. I don't go back and forth. I don't raise my voice. You know what I mean? I don't I don't try to convince or you know what I mean? I don't try to I, I just don't I don't if I feel like it's gonna be a problem, I completely shut it out. You know what I mean? Because I know I I I know the game, you know, dealing with her, like I know her game. So it's like you're gonna you're only gonna argue as long as I'm arguing back. That's you know what I mean? So freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Damien, you are an inspiration. And I have uh gained greatly from talking to you. And I appreciate your time. You're the man. Oh man, no problem. No problem. No yeah. problem. And I appreciate that too. Yeah. Um you know, if uh, any last shout out, maybe you got a business, maybe you got somebody you'd like to say hi to. Uh, what last words would you like to throw out? Um, two things. I want to shout out my homegirl. She's an artist. Um, I always said if I, I always said that um, if I got an opportunity like this, that I would always shout her out. I've been knowing her since like sixth grade, maybe. Uh huh. Um, her name is Phil Casso. Any if you search Phil F I L C A S S O, like like Picasso, but Phil Casso. Uh huh. She's Filipino, so you know what I mean. But um, I always said if I had an opportunity, I would always display her artwork. And um, my son Noah. Noah. Yeah, Noah. My son Noah. All right. Well, someday. 20 years from now, Noah will be watching this and uh, I hope he understands how much he's loved. Yeah. He what a good dad. dude he's got for dad. Oh man. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Yep. Hey, thank you for listening to this vandalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalyzing. Manalyzing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalyzing.com. <laughs>